0: Blue Wire.
1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And, Jack, we are talking about an exciting Nets win over the Denver Nuggets 125 119. The losing streak is over. Back in the W column. How are we feeling, Jack?
2: Clack City added Nikola Jokic to the list. Fuck Kundo Compazzo. Michael (laughs) Population Control, Porter Jr. Kicking out his legs left, right, and center. F Denver, Nets World, baby. We're back on the winning streak.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a great win to have, especially in terms of ending a losing streak against a good team in Denver. Obviously, they had injuries, Jamal Murray being out, Aaron Gordon didn't play in this game, but Nicole Jokic, the MVP likely of the season, still was playing, and they started this game super hot. We'll jump to that, but as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, I think let's start with that fourth quarter. I mean, the Nets really turned it up. They won the quarter 28-15, to 15, and they made all those plays that we've been complaining about. You know, the things that they weren't doing against, you know, the Bucks or they weren't doing against the Blazers or they weren't doing early in this game. And they bounced back and they did that tonight and then they got the W.
2: It seemed to me that they played a bit more on defensive instinct, Nick. Not necessarily yep. worrying about or who has to switch here, who has to do that. It's just like rebound the ball, lock down your dude, and just simplify it. And I think that yep. when the Neds do that defensively, they just look so much better. Yes, their principles are on switching, and you know, th- it requires a level of extra communication and engagement more than some other defensive schemes. But just simplifying it, you know, Blake, you know, just guarding Jokic on, on a lot of possessions and showing a level of physicality. KD getting some stops on him as well. You know, Klax doing some nice things. I really like the fact as well that you know, Steve Nash had the, the balls t- towards the <laughs> end to take out Kyrie yep. Irving and put in Bruce Brown, put in his best defensive lineup. You know, previously against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think it was earlier this season, he kept Ky out there on Colin Sexton. Despite the fact that you know, we all know what Bruce Brown can do as a defender, and he wasn't amazing tonight, Bruce, but he did give us some sparks. And I thought defensively, I thought he was, you know, he was quite solid. You know, got a steal and a slam and stuff. So I just thought that that was a better move, and you know, taking out Blake Griffin, despite you know how hot he's been, in have possibly also been because he had five fouls as well, but. I just thought it was a nice little adjustment from Steve Nash. And, you know, he made some timeouts, some early timeouts, which I know a lot of fans have been asking for. Still no Tyler Johnson and a lot of Mike James, but we can touch on that a little bit. But that fourth quarter, Nick, I think it was a lot of good things from Steve Nash and from the Nets defense. And, you know, you got some pretty goddamn good offensive players as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, offensively, you know, you have some elite players, and they're starting to get in transition a little bit. But like you said, Jack, I think instinctually on the defensive end, you saw it pop a little bit more. There wasn't the mistakes or the miscommunications, and if there was, they were doing it at a high level with a lot of effort. Where previously in the game, it was just kind of like looking at each other, like, "Oh, you have him, I have him." Next thing you know, Michael Porter Jr. knocks down his first three, first three threes of the game. So. I think that's a big factor in what they need to do. To, need to do, and as well, the effort plays they're making in that quarter were just the difference, you know what I mean? You saw guys attacking the boards. Everybody was like, hey, we're going to come back and get that rebound instead of just waiting for somebody else to get it. And that's the type of thing you need. You need to be proactive. You need to make plays. And like you said, props to Steve Nash because that is major growth. You know, playing Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton in that final stretch, that's something we wouldn't see earlier in the season. He'd elect to go with the veterans. He's, you know, trusting these guys a little bit more, specifically Nick Claxton. Like putting Claxton out there against the MVP and Nicole Jokic, that's a confidence booster for a young player.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, he's going to be going up uh, against the likes of Joel Embiid and Giannis in the postseason. So the fact that he's got that confidence after going against the eventual and likely MVP and going up against two of the other best three guys who were six foot ten yep. and above you know it's got to give him the confidence and we did hear earlier today the fact that you know he did contract the coronavirus he was asymptomatic thankfully uh, but th- we know the reason why you know they were so cautious with him and you know a lot of other people were saying some dumb things about the fact of you know, him getting COVID and why is he getting more minutes it's just like let's be a bit safe and cautious with him and, and he was awesome tonight and the, the time that he was out there you know, he, he clacks just, did clacks things. You know, Austin Rivers hit some shots on him. You know, yeah. I, I want to also shout out a guy, Nick, that I think in the third quarter and beyond, he's probably not going to get a lot of credit and probably hasn't got a lot of credit uh, in general this season from Nets fans and people outside of the Nets world. It's Jeff Green. You know, in yeah. the moments where we had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving off, it was Jeff Green dunking, 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 rebounding, playing defense. And he narrowed the lead even further that. He trimmed the the, the margin to Demons' favor even further. Now, he was a big reason why I think the Nets gained and kept maintaining momentum, even with our two best players on the bench.
1: Yeah, I thought Jeff Green wasn't very good in the first half, but in that second half, he had some big moments, like you said. To start of the fourth quarter, I think he had you know the first three, yeah, first three baskets for the team, and he just was aggressive, and he kind of changed the tone, and that's something you need. And obviously, he forced that jump ball late in this game. Oh. Yeah. And that's just a heady play. Obviously, we talk about his versatility, his switchability, and that's something you just get having a guy out there like that. You know, Jeff Green is going to be a big component of the playoffs if he can make plays like that and just do the small things. They don't need him to drop 20. It's just being that complimentary role and helping the guys out, having some of those big dunks, dunks and just taking advantage of the opportunity in front of him.
2: And the three-ball was on two. You know, yep. if we're going through his full stat line, 15 points, three or four from three, five eight from the field, did have five boards, two assists as well, uh, including the own, one of the two only offensive boards for the night, which is a pretty stark statistic, if you in all honesty. But the, yeah. the um, Nuggets are a decent defensive team and they are much bigger, more physical uh, than the Brooklyn Nets are, especially just, you know, after losing the Marcus Aldridge and such and the way they're playing a lot of small ball with the Blake at the five um, as well. But yeah, I thought Jeff Green was great. And it, it just seemed to me that we, it was a, a tale of two halves to, to be yeah. plain and simple and, and maybe a little bit reductive, Nick. But, you know, it might have been one of the worst first halves that we've seen from the Brooklyn Nets this year. I had a couple of people in the group chat saying, you know, this could be a Phoenix Sun situation. A part of me was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with this. Because, you know, I, I had a heap of other people watching Elon Musk and Dogecoin and SNL right now. The <laughs> Nets world is sticking around. The Brooklyn Buzz is sticking around. I just thought that the response showed a level of maturity desire motivation it's just like no nah, we're not letting this one happen again and you know people were you know sort of talking shit about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and their leadership and all this just bs stuff that you just sort of just like just shut up and watch the game. Let the guys just do their thing. And that third quarter was immense. What was it? 16 or 19 from the field, 41 to 33. Um, I thought the defense still wasn't necessarily totally there, but the offense was certainly clicking. And at least there was a a greater engagement, a greater focus on the boards. And I thought Kevin Durant, I thought really just sort of led the way in all departments, you know, a near triple double from him. Um, We we can't say enough good things about the, the Slim Reaper. You know, ultimately, he was the best player on the on the floor tonight uh, and th- there was also the likely mvp on the same floor as him
1: yeah i thought he started i believe the second half off with two blocks You know what I mean? Just kind of changed that energy, had the block. I think it was on Jokic with the help defense. Then on the rebound, Jermichael Green grabbed it, swatted that away. So KD definitely stepped up. And like you said, Jack, people were worried. And I think, you know, if the Nets did lose this game and they were blown out by 20, you know, you could maybe pull an alarm and be like, you know, this is not what you want going into the postseason. But the way they responded is almost picture perfect. You know what I mean? You're on the road, you're down 20, and you come back and win this game. I win this game on the back of your two best players you know this is just the momentum builder going to the playoff giving guys confidence some of the role guys stepped up and like we talked about with Nick Claxton just kind of taking that next step but Jack I guess let's dive into Kevin Durant because like you said you know big game from him 33 points 9 of 14 from the field 3 of 6 from 3 12 of 13 from the free throw line 11 rebounds 7 assists 2 steals 2 blocks 5 turnovers tell me about KD's game tonight
2: I think that he said in previous games that he hasn't been aggressive enough. We saw mm-hmm. a purpose from him and we just saw a, a greater awareness from him and being like, you know what, I'm going to just take everything that the defense gives me. And if there are small openings, I'm going to attack. And that's why he hit 12 of his 13 free throws. I did think as well, you know, his playmaking was was super important. We've, we've lacked that. What was it, like, eight in assists in the last game? You know, finished the, the game tonight with 27 assists. Yep. I think that's a number aimed for 25-ish without James Harden. And, you know, just the ball seemed to move a little bit better when the, when he was sort of helming the offense. Even Kyrie at times, you know, he obviously didn't have um, as many assists, did have four still, but I thought that the team overall was better. And, and I think Blake Griffin was a part of that too. I saw there was a bit of better offensive cohesion, a bit more pick and roll, a bit more sets, you know, in that first half, me and you were talking, and there was some good stuff from Lucas Kaplan and Matt Brooks about the fact that the Nets have sort of just been doing a bit of iso ball, sort of like Houston Rockets ball to an extent. Not a lot of ball movement. And yes, we're not going to get 35-plus assists in the absence of James Harden, you know, a guy who's been leading the league in assists in, in a, lot of, a lot of seasons. But I think Kevin Durant made a greater impact on the team overall, um, not just his own offensive and getting his own numbers.
1: Yeah, I feel like when teams double-team him, it almost makes it a little bit easier for the Nets offense because it's just kind of creation and flow. And that's what you saw Kevin Durant do tonight. And even off the start, you saw some of that playmaking. And like you said, you know, it's just kind of making other players better. And that's what you need. You know what I mean? That's what we talked about in the last show. James Harden does that really well. We saw a little bit of that from Kevin Durant tonight. And obviously, we saw the scoring numbers. And I feel like the aggression in which he had in the second half, you know, 13 free throws definitely says a lot. Some of those came in the late game situation. But long as he's shooting somewhere between eight, to ten, I feel like that's an aggressive game from him, especially attacking the paint. A team that doesn't necessarily have a ton of active, good on-ball defenders, and even Jokic isn't necessarily the best rim protector in the league. So there was an opportunity for KD to attack the paint, and I thought he did a good job of that tonight.
2: Yeah, their defense likes to keep Nikola Jokic away from the room He he always comes up to the level of the attacker, um, yep. or at least closer to it, because obviously his you know inefficiencies there. I also. Love that pass to Clax. That was yep. a, that was a James Harden, that was, you know, a Nikola Jokic level of a pass. And we know the Joker is, is an absolutely incredible pass, one of the best we've ever seen. But that pass from Kevin Durant was absolutely pinpoint.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: went perfect and uh, it was good to sort of see him feed kevin uh, nicholas claxton it was a uh, just a really really nice feed.
1: yeah definitely and it felt like he made a uh, you know, an effort to get Claxon involved when he's in the game, make him kind of play a role on the offense and the team, the other team uh, respect his game out there. So again, Kevin Durant, great game. You saw some of that two-way ability. And I thought in the first half defensively, he was one of the guys that was having lapses, you know, getting beat on some of those screens, getting caught up a little bit. And he cleaned that up in the second half and that helped lead to the W.
2: Yeah, your best player has to, to to lead the way, and Kevin Durant certainly did that. Tonight was a big reason you know, why the Nets did you know get the W in the end because it's Kevin freaking Durant at the end of the day. You know who he is.
3: Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet, and get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials, one device included.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the
2: new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nick, I, I need to touch on this stat. And it's, it's striking that we haven't touched on it yet. The Nets had 66 field goals. The Devon Nuggets yeah. had 92. The last time I sort of remember us talking about sort of the field goal attempts was uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers, at least me and you. It seems to be uh, emblematic and it's just crazy. 41 of 66 from the field for the Brooklyn Nets. And despite the fact that the Denver Nuggets were salacious early, they were 42 of not. They only finished 42 of 92 from the field. Uh, just a crazy number.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is really crazy. And you just try to figure out, like, where did all those extra shots come from? You know, you look at the offensive rebounding, there's eight there, turnovers, there's five more there. And then obviously, with some of the free throw attempts in the game, it's going to change that up a little bit. Then that's gotten to the bonus. But still, I mean, if you see that number, you know, like you said, Jack, 92 to 66. That's usually a loss, and a loss by a fair margin, not out w in almost any standard. But the big reason why was, like you said, Jack, sixty two percent from the field for the Nets, fifty one percent from three, and the Nuggets only shot forty five percent from the field and thirty four percent from three. And they started this game nine of fifteen from three and finished fourteen of forty one.
2: It was, it's it, it still just I, I don't understand it. Totally yeah. exactly. it just it boggles it boggles the mind, it boggles belief, and uh, it boggles all just normal. Sense in in general but ultimately you know the nets just just did what they did they were just awesome offensively in that second half you know 69 to 48 you know just a a really mature response from a a pretty poor you know performance in the first half it was good to sort of see Steve Nash get a little bit angry it was just like seeing like you know Jerry Seinfeld and and Jim from the office get angry It (laughs) it just doesn't happen it's never happened and to actually see that level of emotion from him and uh, that, that desire and the motivation when he was calling that time out uh, was a nice sign because um, I honestly don't think we've seen it all in the 68 games he's coached this book on this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the only time I really think about him kind of getting a little bit mad or a little stern was when he was talking to DeAndre Jordan in Detroit, like way early in the season. Like you said, that level of annoyance was definitely something different that maybe we haven't seen since the Steve Nash playing days. You know what I mean? So I think that kind of helped the team. Give him a little bit of energy. Maybe he had a nice speech speech at halftime, or maybe that was somebody else on the team. But you mentioned Kyrie Irving before, Jack. A really nice game for him as well. Thirty one points, eleven of seventeen from the field, four of seven from three, five of six on the free throw line, four assists, one steal, one block, and four turnovers. What'd you think of Kyrie's night?
2: Did this feel like a low key night for, for Kyrie Irving? It just like yeah. it went behind the scenes yet. It was just like he had an incredibly efficient night. Um was Poor defensive early, but in the second half, like the team was certainly lifted and that lefty block. He's a really nice blocker and I can't remember who it was that sort of put out on Twitter, but he loves blocking with that opposite hand of his as well. But uh, I just thought that this is basically what you want the Brooklyn Nets sort of to be in terms of in the absence of James Harden. You want Kevin Durant to lead the team, have a real impact. You want there to be ball movement. You want Kyrie Irving to maintain his level of efficiency and just be absolutely crazy offensively. But also give that sort of level of defensive effort because I guarantee the the defensive stats, you know, two steals and two uh, blocks for Kevin Durant, you know, a steal and a block for Kyrie Irving. I'm guessing both of those happened in the, the final two periods.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that, Jack. And I also think, you know, with Kyrie Irving, do you think the reason that it feels like a low key scoring game is because maybe his time possession wasn't very high tonight? You know, like the attempts in which he scored, it was kind of like, hey, boom, boom, boom. I'm not going to dribble a ton. I'm not necessarily running the offense. I'm just kind of in that pure scoring role.
2: Yeah, it, it seemed to me, everyone sort of pointed it out, you know, he's the shooting guard. He said it himself, yeah. he's the shooting guard. De'Andre said he's the shooting guard. But right now, you know, we don't have a point guard. So he has to sort of be the point guard. But you, I, I think that there was a lot more responsibilities for Black Griffin and Kevin Durant to have yeah. the ball and sort of create offense for others uh, and themselves. And I thought that the shared responsibility, uh, I thought, was... Whether it was uh, necessarily uh, a focus heading into the game or whether it just happened in, in flow and, and was just sort of natural, uh, I just thought that it just seemed to work better. And Kyrie Irving obviously still had four dimes himself, and I thought that he did a good job of you know, getting to the line. I thought that he yep. just could have got a couple extra calls. And you know, that flop from Facundo Campaso, <laughs> I've got all my swears out now, um, was a little bit weaker uh, in, in my eyes because I think. Whenever I see Kyrie and KD complain, and we saw some really awesome video um, with Kevin Durant um, having a chat to the referee the other night uh, as he was sort of guarding Luka Doncic. When those guys are arguing, you generally know that they're not going to argue just about everything. You know, they're yep. not Nikola Jokic. They're not Luka Doncic. Those guys complain about any little thing. And yes, Nikola Jokic's arms are going to turn even more red, like he's turning into <laughs> some version of a Red Hulk or something. Um, but in all honesty, when KD and Kyrie are saying stuff, it's just like, really like are you actually calling this because i it's just it's almost like a level of ego and knowledge of the game that's just like i know the game better than you guys what the fuck are you talking about
1: yeah especially on the compasso stuff i think that's what's frustrating to like skilled nba players when you have these guys that come in with gimmicks and they just try to like flop around and it's like as in a, a referee you're officiating the game like you should understand what this guy is trying to do and like if Kyrie Irving received the same type of flop calls that Compazzo received he'd be shooting probably 20 free throws a game and obviously we're not going to jump deep into the officiating but it definitely was a frustrating aspect of the game just watching some of these calls that were just ridiculous you know it just really didn't make sense and like you said Jack when you see Kyrie and Katie complaining especially to the extent in which Kyrie was complaining you know that it's a bad call
2: yeah exactly my brother makes this call all the time and he doesn't watch as much basketball as you or I or anyone at OTG or Blue Wire. But he sort of says, you know, we and we watch a lot of other sports as well. The officiating and, and refereeing in basketball is worse than any other sport. And that's not just, you know, as a Nets fan, that's just watching any game of basketball. And they have probably as much of an effect than any other referee in any sport, whether it's you know, international football slash soccer, the NFL, um, the AFL, and that's why probably it's more pronounced because they're just so yeah. much more visible. But they shouldn't be because there's there's like three referees out there, and it's just like I mean, I get it, and there's just the the replay as well. But I don't want to get stuck down the rabbit hole of, of the officiating. I want to get to Blake Griffin, Nick, because yeah, it, again, incredible game from Blake Griffin, and that it just was uh, man, monster like, third quarter, incredible third quarter. You know, other than Jeff Green, he he led the team in plus minus. 20 points, 2 steals, 3 assists, 4 of 6 from 3, 8 of 10 from the field. Um, some solid defense on the Joker. Blake was awesome. Absolutely awesome.
1: Yeah I mean that like splurge in the third quarter you know what he hit three threes had the layup that just was a game changer and that just helped the Nets kind of maintain momentum especially when the Nuggets were responding so Blake really kind of turned back the clock and like you said you know solid defense on Jokic no one's going to really stop that guy but I thought he did a good enough job of making him work on a couple possessions in 27 minutes starting to get that conditioning for the postseason and possibly you know playing a bigger role in this team. Blake's definitely provided us a lot especially even in in terms of what we saw early on from him where it seemed like hey he's just going to be this hustle effort guy maybe you'll get 10 points or a couple things but like you mentioned earlier jack he helps run the offense especially with those dribble handoffs to a guy like joe harris or kevin Durant or kyrie irving
2: i think now obviously we did see dj in very limited time tonight thankfully yep. i good to see steve nash you know react quite quickly in the minutes that he was playing out there but now it's just like it's blake and Claxton. and you get two different, yep. different different differentiation in terms of their styles of play you know blake showed uh while, you know, obviously Norman is stopping the Joker because he's just a, an immovable, immeasurable force. I thought that he made him frustrated, even in the mm-hmm. shots and the free throws that he was getting. He was physical with him. You saw the scratches on him. You saw the redness on him. I mean, he gets red all the goddamn time. But I thought that Blake did a really good job in that sort of respect. Whereas then you throw a different look at him. You show, you throw a guy who's as athletic and as sexy as hell as, as Clack City is. <laughs> And then it's just like, you know, you're not getting any, any respite if you're Nikola Jokic. You're getting two decent dudes doing different looks at you, different sort of skill sets at you. And I thought that that was a reason why, yes, Jokic still finished, you know, had a near triple-double, you know, 20, 20, 10 and 21 from the field, nearly 30 points. I don't think it was as a greater game that we've seen of him play this season. You know, it's, I reckon it's going to go to the wayside. And I would say that, you know, Kevin Durant, like I said, was the best player. And I would say that Blake Griffin and Nicholas Claxton made this a harder game for Jokic than he's had in you know, many other occasions this season.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jack. The difference of going against a guy like Blake Griffin, who obviously isn't the same athlete of which you used to be, but he has great strength and effort, and he's going to be physical with you. And then playing somebody who's hyper-athletic like Nick Claxton, who can beat you to every single spot, is going to probably have more active hands. It kind of just makes you think and throws you off balance a little bit and then squeeze in Kevin Durant a little in there and some of the help defense and some of the looks they were throwing at Jokic. He got uncomfortable because it felt like to start this game, Jokic hit every single shot. I want to say he started this game like 6-6 or something like that, and it felt like he wasn't going to miss all night by the time the second half ended. You know what I mean? We're talking about 11 misses for this guy, so credit to the Nets for, like you said, Jack, making his life as difficult as possible.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, Michael Porter Jr. was doing similarly, but, you know, we didn't see either of the Johnsons tonight, so uh, obviously Johnson and Johnson, you know, Michael (laughs) Porter Jr., you put those two together. I'm not going to necessarily make (laughs) the joke. You guys can do that at home. Um, But in, I wanted to... What were your thoughts, I guess, on our shooters, Nick? Because both of them have been struggling of late. I can't remember who put it out, but they've been shooting in the 30s and their percentages on this road trip. You know, Joe was a little bit better tonight, but that turnover almost killed me if it wasn't for Kevin Durant's incredible defense. I'm i'll say this not- about
1: the turnover jack like one thing for joe harris and obviously you're the biggest joe harris fan that exists and on this planet and probably in the universe but like he just needs to relax like i think joe harris doesn't understand that he's a good basketball player and in that situation he's always so worried about just dishing the ball out and you've seen it happen most of his turnovers a season aren't really forced by the other team it's like just throwing the ball away and we saw that happen early in the season that washington loss where he just kind of threw the ball out of bounds or threw the ball to garrison matthews or russell westbrook whoever it was and it's just like joe your handle is okay worst case scenario pick up the ball and call a timeout those are the plays that he just cannot commit in the postseason
2: yeah um look i'm um, we've swore a lot on this podcast <laughs> this is probably one of the r-rated versions of have put out there and look denver is are we legal in denver nick you know about all the states <laughs> and, and their suit of laws maybe just in the timeout, go to the the, the bathroom and, and have a bit of a bit of a smoke joey <laughs> because you just got to like level yourself yeah. out my dude just chill. Uncle JoJo, Alice Harris, <laughs> his sister, putting out one of the cutest posts of Twitter that I've ever seen. Everyone make sure you're following the Joe Harris and the Joe Harris family. But yeah, I, I just think that there are times that we've seen this season, you know, the, the Wizards game, where the ball is in his hands. It's just like Joe, just chill like you know Kevin's gonna be there Kai's gonna be there you know all these guys it's not like the Denver Nuggets uh, the Milwaukee Bucks the Philadelphia 76ers they're not gonna be all up in your grill like those sort of guys are so you know just back yourself in you know Kevin Durant and everyone has the confidence in you so I think that I'm glad that he's making these mistakes now. You know, Kyrie Irving sort of said that, you know, these are the time where we make these mistakes. You know, we'll work through them. And, you know, come the postseason, hopefully he's learned from them. We might still see some mistakes, but yep. if they are less costly, uh, then that's going to be a good thing and going to be a sign of growth. And, you know, I, uh, again, will maintain the level of objectivity like I try to on this podcast. He hasn't been good at play. But, again, you know, he hit a couple of threes here or there. You know, he did have five assists as well, was a part of that team ball movement that we sort of spoke about. Uh, but Landry was good tonight either so I think that it's going to be nice I think once these guys find the rhythm it's not that they're bad players they're just going through a bit of a slump and all players go through slumps even if you are as good as Joe Harrison Landry Shaman
1: yeah I feel like Joe is allowing himself to be rushed you know what I mean? And like, he's allowing previous plays to make him feel rushed. It was good to see him hit that contest at three to start the game. But it's like, Joe, just play your game and understand where you're at. But like we've talked about on the previous show as well, you know, he's going to benefit from a guy like James Harden coming back. And I will say the one thing about Joe Harris's defense that stuck out a little bit is when the team defense isn't good, he looks like a worse worse defender because he's so good at funneling to the help. And when the help isn't there, that's when he really gets beat. And we saw that happen a little bit in the first half.
2: Definitely, yeah. I think that you make a good point in that, and there was a lot of Joe Harris hate in the first half. And look, a lot of it is warranted, but I think that sort of just like you know going overboard and saying like you know why aren't we getting these guys in the rotation and said why isn't Alize Johnson out there and said I'm like look you can make an argument for why Mike James is still out there or even to an extent you know Landry Shamit who is sort of like a faux point guard at times facilitator when Kyrie Irving isn't necessarily out there of late. You know the fact that Tyler Johnson hasn't been seeing minutes has been just incredibly surprising to me. And if the Nets had a yeah. I probably would have been a much more critical. And we can continue to be critical of that decision because I don't know what he's done because we heard Steve Nash say the other day or today, it's just like, we trust what he can do. He's going to play in the playoffs for us. It's just like, play him now. Like, w- yeah. what are you talking about?
1: You're not playing Mike James in the playoffs. So I don't know why he's getting minutes in this stretch. But getting back to Joe Harris, I just think, you know, He's a guy that also provides gravity. And I think that's something that fans are always going to underestimate because they're not necessarily watching all the off-ball movement. You know what I mean? He's allowing more space on the floor for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So even, you know, when Joe Harris isn't super locked in, he's still going to receive respect from the defense. You know, Landry Shamit is to an extent, but not to the same level of Joe Harris, who's literally been one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA over the last three seasons.
2: Yeah, and and ultimately those guys are going to find their shot. It, it's yep. going to fall for them sooner rather than later. You know, players go through slumps. Unless you are Stephen Curry, it just happens. No yep. one, no one is that elite. You know, even the, the the likes of Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard have gone through it. it. It just seems to me that Stephen Curry is just in another world of his own. But Nick, any other players you wanted to touch on? I guess here, you know, we saw Bruce get the start. Do you think that that was the right decision to provide a little bit of more defensive balance uh, for the start?
1: unit i agree yeah i do jack i think it just kind of provided a little bit more of energy effort some defensive toughness obviously michael porter jr is a hard matchup for him given he's giving up what like six inches on the guy so other than that you know i thought bruce did a nice job and you mentioned earlier have the steal and the slam that's always something that's nice and there's not really a purpose in starting landry shamit unless he's playing well you know if shamit's cooking and knocking down his threes then yeah you could score 40 points every single quarter but if he's off there's no reason for him to play over bruce brown
2: no. And it was, I, I just think, look, I don't know how many different lineups that we've seen, whether they'd be starting or whatever. I know it was 35 the other night. I think this group might have played together. Yeah, I think started. they said the
1: second game for this one.
2: So yeah, but there we go. <laughs>
1: second it's, game, it's there we go. <laughs> two,
2: but better than one. So I guess we'll see how it sort of goes going forward against Cleveland and, and the rest, The last sort of four, four games or so. But yeah, I think that you, you want to have that balance, whether it's, you know, Bruce Brown or Jeff Green, someone defensively. You know, obviously James Harden will probably replace uh, Bruce Brown when he does come back, whether Blake continues to start, whether Joe Harris goes to the bench. I I don't know. I think that's a a decision for Steve Nash to make. But, you know, James Harden's on his way back sooner rather than later. And I think that we're going to see that reverberate across the board. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. We've had some people sort of argue with us and talk to us about, like, you know, what are you talking about? Some people agree with us. Ultimately, I think that we will see – how much better the Brooklyn Nets are when Jim Harm does return. But ultimately, this game, Nick, I think that it just showed that the Nets can still continue to be one of the best teams in the league, even in his absence, because the Denver Nuggets, despite the absence of, you know, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, I still think they're a championship contender. You know, one of seven or eight teams, and the Brooklyn Nets are certainly in that sort of regard as well. Uh, And they need to start winning. They need to start getting some good games. They need to start getting some good habits under their their belt. And I think tonight was a, a, a nice little time to start it.
1: Yeah, especially 20-point comeback on the road, like you said, Jack, about one of the te- best teams in the Western Conference. It definitely gives you confidence in what they can do, especially what they did in that fourth quarter defensively, holding them to 15 points and just kind of turning things up for this team. And it also just gives you little hints about what to expect in the postseason, seeing Nick Claxton a little bit more, him getting time on Nikola Jokic, like you mentioned earlier, Bruce Brown getting the sub over Kyrie Irving defensively. There's just different aspects that are really are like, okay, this is something we can take moving forward instead of, you know, us showing no effort through four quarters and getting blown out.
2: Were you surprised, I think, that that stat stat was making the rounds surrounding Nicholas Claxton? The Nets have the best defense when he's on the floor and the 27th best defense when he sits. that surprise you at all that a guy in his second season has, has had that much of an impact on this Brooklyn Nets team?
1: I mean, objectively, I think it does. Like, if you just look at it, you're like, oh my God, a sophomore player providing that type of defensive impact and he's not being talked about like Rudy Gobert or Ben Simmons or anything like that. But, To be honest, we literally talked about in the last show, he is the Nets defensive X factor. He's the guy that is going to probably be the difference in terms of if they can play good defense or if they need a quarter of lockdown defense. He's the guy that can provide that spark because he just does so many things on the floor that nobody else in the roster does. And to be honest, very limited NBA players do just because of the skill set he has on that side of the floor. And he's far from polished. But like we talked about, he just needs to continue to get these reps. And I think he really benefits going against a guy like Nicole Jokic because it's just something else for him to kind of dwell on in his brain like hey that is something I'm never going to see or I'm going to see very rarely in the NBA and now it's just something I can put in my back pocket how I deal with this situation
2: yeah definitely I, I think that you know Jokic is a completely different player to and Bead, but they both have possessed you know, similar physical characteristics and similar sort of you know points of where Nicholas Claxton is going to have to sort of really sort of step up but uh, I guess Nick in, in saying that I'll ask you another uh, question in relation to Clark City. Do you think that the key for him going forward is you know, how Steve Nash handles his, his reps and his conditioning going forward? And are you happy with sort of how it's been handled so far in the comeback from uh, contracting COVID-19?
1: Yeah, I think the Nets want to play it safe. Like the worst thing you could possibly do is rush him back and then you do not have him for the postseason. I think ideally by the end of this season, you like to see his minutes get back to 2025 because I think the Nets will need that from him in certain postseason matchups they are going to need that body. Even just moving towards, you know, the possible NBA finals and some of those other Western Conference matchups, that's where Nick Claxton could really, really stick out or even a first round matchup against a team like the Miami Heat. You look at that skill set and you want to make sure that he can play a large role for your team in the postseason. Season, if needed, especially because Blake Griffin is a guy that does get in foul trouble. Like we've seen that happen across his short Nets career. You know, even tonight, what he finished with four or five, five fouls. So it's five fouls. So that's like something to be concerned about. And obviously, DeAndre Jordan is not playing well. He's playing very, very poorly right now. And he just dis- doesn't allow you to play the same way that Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin allow you to play.
2: That's literally something I was just about to allude to. You know, the fact that Blake Griffin played 27 minutes tonight, if he wasn't as awesome as he was, you know, maybe we do see a bit more extra Nicholas Claxton time. And maybe yep. if he had gotten a couple of extra, you know, first half fouls, um, then we might have seen some extra Nicholas Claxton time as well. So I think it sort of is working out nicely. And uh, ultimately, Claxton is going to be ready. He's going to make an impact. And as soon as James Harden's back as well, he's going to look even better offensively to get a nice forceful dunk uh, too. But yep. I think that he just, he has a desire to impact defensively. And I think that if the Nets had, if a, you know, the majority of the roster had the same mindset as Nicholas Claxton did, then I think that we'd probably be in a better spot defensively and we wouldn't be giving up 71 points and a half because I think that Nicholas Claxton has a desire to be like, give me the defense, give me the guy. Yep. Bruce Brand did the same thing on oh, what the hell is that guy's name, Marcus Howard, a I, 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 I guy yeah. that I've never, literally never heard of and then people in group chat are saying, oh yeah, went to Marquette or all these sort of things. I'm like, I have no idea who the heck you're, talk- who- who- who you're talking about. Somebody commented on
1: one of my Twitter posts and they said that he was like 6 of 36 from three <laughs> from the previous games and he started this one 2 of 2 on two difficult looks.
2: And he's 2 of 5. And, and that was yeah. because Bruce Brown locked him down. It was yeah. good to sort of see want to take that assignment. And you know we need the Bruce Browns of the world, the Nicholas Claxton of the world, so we can have the impact defensively. Jeff, Jeff Grant and Jeff Green in his steadiness, Kevin Durant really locking in, Kyrie Irving locking in and not giving up blow-bys to... Facundo Compasso. I, I <laughs> That's the last time I'm saying his name on this podcast, Nick. You know I'm a fan of his, and he's done some nice things for them. But goddamn, uh, didn't like him against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. So I think that the defense needs to breathe the offense. We need to follow Jeff yep. Green's mentality ever since that Detroit Pistons game, ever since the early season, because the offense is going to be fine as long as we don't get bogged down into an isolation-heavy, lack of ball movement sort of offense. The ball is going to move around a little bit. Kevin Durant's going to get his own. Kyrie Irving's going to get his own. Joe's going to be open. Jeff's going to make some plays. Blake Griffin's going to be making plays in the short roll. Make some screens. Do all these little things. You know, there's going to be better instincts there. I just think the desire needs to stay high. Uh, and against teams that, you know, we might not have the luxury of playing two quarters, even if the Denver Nuggets, you know, if the Denver Nuggets had an Aaron Gordon tonight, then maybe the Nets lose. It, it's, you know, you take, you know, Can Ka, I get another guy. I don't know any of these dudes. I've never seen them play. carr Ka and Howard. You take that him or Bol Bol out of the lineup tonight, then I think the Nets probably do lose this game. So, you know, they might have gotten away with one here. The second biggest comeback other than the Phoenix Suns game, which is 24 points, 21 points tonight. But ultimately, I'm going to say we will stay optimistic. Nick, I think that they're, they're going to take some momentum going forward into the final couple of games. And they needed this win. And it was a nice little comeback, nice little statement for them.
1: Yeah, I think it's a response. You know what I mean? They've played poorly over the last... Previous four games, like we talked about Blazers, two against the Bucks, and the one against the Mavericks, especially the two against the Bucks and the Mavericks, all close games where they didn't necessarily make those little plays. It's nice to see them come and get a win on the road in a close matchup with a team that has a capable player, Nicole Jokic. So, again, it's just. A nice momentum builder because if they did lose, I think there'd be a slight concern about where the team's confidence is going to the postseason. Because to be honest, the next four matchups are against non playoff teams, and the Spurs are a playing game team, but they're not very good either. So it's just like, this is the last test and the last opportunity then for them to be like, okay, this is something we can build on. Like if they lose the next four games, I can't say I'd be super concerned because they really don't matter a ton where this game is like an actual matchup against a good team where you could possibly take something away.
2: Yeah, but you could also look at it from the other side of the the other side of it and go, look, the Nets now have the two seed and you would rather have the two seed and go up. I, don't I mean, ideally,
1: I would love to have the two-seed. I just think it's probably unlikely, given that the Bucks don't necessarily play anybody unless the Miami Heat want to do the Nets a favor. I think well, they like, might have that.
2: Again, like you know, like you mentioned, it's Bulls-Spurs, it Bulls-Cavs. It's not yeah. like those games are going to leave you... You know, um, you can't learn much out. from
1: them, to be honest.
2: And then, look, the, the Nets have lost to the Bulls this year yeah. um, a couple of times. They haven't actually the beat them. So, the, yeah, exactly. So maybe there's a, there's a redemption factor to it, but... I wanted to ask you, Nick, do you think we see James Harden uh, against the Chicago Bulls uh, on the Tuesday?
1: Mm, I think there's a 50% chance. If we don't see him in that game, we see him in the next one because I don't think the Nets are going to play him in the last two because it's a back-to-back. Excuse me. He'll play. It's getting late here. Uh, He'll probably play in, you know, one of the two back-to-backs, like in terms of, like, if he doesn't play Tuesday, he'll play Wednesday and the same thing for the Saturday-Sunday type thing. Like, he's going to play two games He's not gonna play a ton of minutes probably, but it'll be good to just see him back on the floor and get some reps with the team.
2: Yeah, in a selfish way, I hope he's back for the Spurs game because then I'll be able to record with you for that one. Yeah. Um, the the Tuesday game against the Bulls, are likely having to be to be working, but whenever he is back, Nets fans are going to be you know absolutely clamoring to see him out there. Um, the scary hours, you know, starting to actually get a little bit scarier uh, after yep. this win. Uh, It was a a really good win, and you know, with the the team's most important, most impactful, whatever you want to call him, um, James Harden is coming back soon for the Brooklyn Nets, and that is a good sign after a really good win.
1: Yeah, and one thing I just want to touch on, Jack, that you mentioned before defensively and how it helps the offense so much is because the Nets are always already playing at a plus because they have so many great offensive players. If you can even get the team into semi-transition where the defense is slightly off-balance and now the rotations are a second behind— it's just money for the Nets offense. They already are great at generating good shots. But when they're doing that, the shots are just so much easier. When James Harden comes back, it's just, everything's just going to be super smooth if they continue to do the small things and play defense at a competent level.
2: And I think that a level of physicality, you know, Seth Partner, Alex Schiff had a good piece, and we've heard a lot of other people talk about it. You know, we touched on it, and I sort of said that the defense will improve um, with James Harden's return. Maybe people were were outraged by that, but I also do think he's an incredible rebounder. You know, I think that his ability, he's so physical, he's so strong. And we know the switching scheme, all those different little things. He's a great communicator, great leader. You know, he's shown that you know, and a desire to, to sort of win and do all the little things and, and make every possession count on offense and defense. And like you mentioned, in terms of turning the dof- defense into offense, whether it's in with transition opportunities, if James Hunt's getting them a, you know, a defensive board, He's going to feed Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, yep. Joe Harris, Bruce Brown. Those guys are running for him. He's done it, what, 85 million times a season. He's done some of the hardest passes that you know Patrick Mahomes couldn't even freaking make. <laughs> there you go. There's an NFL reference for you, ladies and gentlemen. So, there you
1: know, go, man. Jack. That was spot on, too. So, I mean, that is a great point. I think he also creates transition opportunities literally out of nothing. Like you said, with those touchdown passes, they're not something many players in this league can do. Obviously, they're a little bit harder to come by in the postseason because teams are usually cleaning that up. But even if you can get a couple free baskets, that's the difference in the game you know what i mean and that's the problem with the nets defense is too many times they're giving those free baskets to the other team if they can eliminate that aspect and make the other team have to earn every bucket and then maintain their efficient offense there's no reason for them to lose games
2: every point matters every possession matters every game matters every podcast matters
1: yeah, and that it does jack always a pleasure big thanks to everybody for listening catch the buzz on all stream platforms
3: Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.